This is the Going the Distance Podcast. Dude, I'm telling you, when I'm driving a fucking Porsche and living on a yacht, you're gonna be like, oh, I wish I got him in the top guy. You had two picks on two defensive possessions in a row, and you don't win the field position battle? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is a fun show. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Going the Distance podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is Elijah Spans. Later today in this episode, we will be joined by a guest by the name of Colin Gray. He's a fellow student and friend of ours at TCU. We study journalism, particularly sports journalism, so that's why we're on here. But yeah, before we get into today's episode, got to get through a quick few shout-outs. Go ahead and check out. You're already watching our Twitch YouTube if you're here live, but if not, Make sure you listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Every episode will be posted there. You can check out all of our content over at www.gtdsports.com. We have blogs, podcasts, all that good stuff. And if you want to keep up with our gambling picks, I'm starting to make a little bit of a comeback myself. So go ahead and follow me over at the Action Network. You can search me by full name. I'm not sure if Elijah's coming back or not yet. I'm still retired right now. Um, I'll be back in the fall. I'll be back for football season. That's a good time to start. Uh, And last but not least, subscribe to the GTD Sports newsletter at the bottom of our website page. You can find that for email notifications on every episode and whatnot. So how are we feeling this week, Elijah? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I just finished my last, like, ever real finals week as a a college student. So that's a little weird. That Um, is weird. Yeah, I've seen, like, a bunch of TikToks and stuff of, like, me Wednesday afternoon on my laptop yeah. finishing my undergrad degree. Like that's just weird, man. That would be me if COVID just didn't slow me down at a drop four classes this past year. But uh I'll I'll finish in the summer and then you know that's pretty much it. But still good. Finished uh finished school this week. Went golfing today, had a little bit too much fun earlier today. But, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm here right now. I'm I'm ready to ready to talk about some sports. Oh yeah, one forgot to mention this uh, today. I know we usually record our live episodes on Wednesday, uh, and we post them on Thursday morning for Spotify and whatnot. But as Elijah mentioned, we have been taking finals this week. Uh, they've been kicking our asses, kind of. So we really had to grind these last couple of days. Hence the rescheduling. So I just finished most of my stuff. I have one more final tomorrow morning, and then I am done with my junior year. So that's good stuff. But I picked a really bad time because, I mean, it's finals week. Uh, I I made the bad decision to download MLB The Show 21, which is probably (laughs) my favorite fucking game I've played in a long-ass time, dude. It's so much fun. Yeah. um, So it just came to Xbox, and this is the first time that I've played it since, since, like, I've had a PS3. So this is the first time i played the show since, like, the show 13. And, Dude, yeah, uh, my last baseball video game I played was 2K11 when I was like 10 oh, years really? old. Oh, really? Yeah, I grinded the 2K. That, was, those were that on was the GOAT, dude. Those were those were awesome. They got hated on, and I mean, I guess for good reason because they're not around anymore. But Yeah, um, they kind of grew. Like, they kind of just progressively got worse and worse. As well, they weren't as good on. as the show, which is one of the reasons why they got shut down. And then they lost their license. And then, I don't know. Anyway, we got screwed out of it basically. Yeah. Wait. But, so do you uh, have it right now? The show. Yeah, because 21? the show. Yeah, the show. The show twenty one's on 
this is the first one to get on uh, Xbox, and then as a part of like their deal, putting it on Xbox, they put it on Xbox Game Pass on the first day, and so I've got it, and I've been playing it since day one, and it's it's pretty fun, dude. Wait, I I texted you about it, and like I thought you said like you were gonna get it. I didn't realize no, I you, told, you already I told, had it. Yeah, I already have it. That's oh, well, fucking, by. let's run some shit after this, bro. Yeah. I'll beat your ass. Probably, um, I'm not very good. You know, me neither. Trust me. It's it's so hard. It's so First hard. Time, yeah, I know. It's such a hard. It's but it's good. It's good to play like a baseball game that's actually true to form. Like yeah, you know, like, like I, whenever you get that that perfect hit, perfect swing, like out of the park, it's like the most rewarding, best feeling ever. No, and like I have a I have a my player, and I have it even on like one of the lower difficulties, and he's only batting like a three thirty right now, which like for a video game is like really good to see because it's still like video game numbers but not like stupid yeah it's not it, like, that would be like a really good batting average you know like yeah. not like unheard of like yeah. 2k uh the basketball game stats are yeah and, it's you know, not some like dudes average 50 points a game yeah it's not like my player where you're just out there balling out 40 and like a tri- it's not like you're balling out a triple double every day yeah you know? so it's 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 fun the only the only game mode I've played so far is Diamond Dynasty. I've just been grinding, building my team. So I've far. just done, I've just been mainly road to the show. I need to, I want to try the other game modes too. They they look pretty good. But enough about baseball video games. We'll talk a little bit more about baseball later on in the episode. Today's main theme is going to be football, football, and more football because the NFL draft just took place. And as we predicted last week, one of the most crazy fun i don't even know how many words to use to describe it but it was awesome it was a great draft it definitely lived up to all the hype but before we get into that aaron Rodgers, once out of green bay let's discuss yeah um i guess he was really pissed off about, about that jordan love pick but uh, um, yeah uh i guess this has been growing um we've we've seen him get a little peeved off about with the Packers in the past, I think uh, they fired his quarterbacks coach without consulting him in the past. And he like, remember he aired that uh, frustration mm-hmm. with ESPN. On yeah, the, he's, uh, he had been vocal too. Even with the Jordan Love situation, he was like clearly even, uncomfortable and whatnot, you know? Even before that, there was, there was signs that he was a little miffed, you know? So like this has been brewing and I guess Jordan Love, them drafting Jordan Love was like the final straw. And then he just went into the season just taking it. But like after the offseason, he's like, I'm I'm done. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought I thought everything was gonna go down last offseason after the Jordan Love pick. I thought if anything was gonna happen, it was gonna be then. But I don't know. I thought after he played the whole season, I didn't really think there was any more tension after that. And even like a week before he came out with this statement, I forgot who it was. It may have been Matt LaFleur, but who said um that Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for the foreseeable future. Like it was like yeah, two weeks beforehand. Multiple people in the Packers organization said that. And even with all the, the, the trade talks going on as soon as the season ended, like they, every single one, even Aaron Rodgers, like all played that down, but I guess it was real. I guess he's, he's like really pissed off. Um, even then, like there's a, a situation. I can't remember who the, who the receiver was, but like the Packers cut a receiver right after Aaron Rodgers um, talked that guy up and like said about how much he was looking forward to working with him. And the next day they cut him. And so he said that that was like a, a death nail 
or yeah. like, you know, basically like a coffin in his relationship with the Packers. So like it's it's kind of been coming, you know. It's just if been you, if slowly you, building up. Yeah. Yeah. If you've if you've really paid attention, you could kind of see like why he would be pissed off. And like what I'm wondering yeah. though is like the main, re- you know, the main reason he's upset, like everything's gone wrong, is mostly because of the lack of communication from the organization to him, which other NFL organizations have done phenomenal jobs of. Like, for example, even in this draft, Andy Dalton got called before they even selected Justin Fields, the Bears. And same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. They called him before they took Trey Lance just to let him know what's up. You know, like, so what I wonder is if Aaron Rodgers was also communicating his end of the stick, if that makes sense, like. Was he telling the Packers that he was this frustrated, like to the point where he might leave? That's what I want to know. I feel like he's held it in. I feel and like I think so too. You know, I feel like he's done it subtly, pretty much like how we've known. Like if you've paid attention throughout the years, that he's subtly been frustrated. It's it's been the same way through you know his communication with the Packers that he's subtly frustrated with them. Um, and I don't know. It's just. It's crazy to see that we've gotten to this point, but we've gotten to this point and like he's pretty done, but I still don't I still feel like he'll be in a Packers uniform next year. Yeah, exactly. He's one of those players where like I just can't imagine seeing him actually playing in another uniform. Even Peyton Manning, whenever he left the Colts for the Broncos, that was one of the weirdest things I'd ever seen. Just Manning in a in the navy in orange. Like that was just odd to me. But I mean it seemed to work out, you know, they won a Super Bowl, so Yeah. Yeah, I mean, where, do you, where do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to go, though? Well, I mean, if you mention the Rodgers, that's or the Broncos, that's one of the places that uh, he's pointed at. Is he he liked to go to the Broncos? He, I think, one of the initial reports is like a couple of the West Coast teams, like the Rams and the 49ers, But obviously, by now, that's not a realistic situation. Yeah. So, if he's going to get traded, it's probably going to be the Broncos. But I think he's going to stay a Packer. You, I don't know, I, dude. I, do. I really don't. I think, I think if the Broncos were gonna, like, if they weren't gonna go after Rodgers, they would have taken Justin Fields at number nine. But I think that by taking Patrick Sertain, which is an interesting pick, I want to get into a little bit later too. Um, they kind of set the precedent that they're gonna go after a quarterback in the free agency market and whatnot or trade market. So I mean, they if they can pull off Rodgers. Are, the Broncos may become like the retirement center for legendary quarterbacks, you know, <laughs> just go chill with John Elway in the mile house, mile high city. Your audio cut out. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Test, test. Colin, can you hear me? I think maybe headset wise. All right, well, yeah, anyway, um, back on the Aaron Rodgers situation, like, I really, I don't know. I thought he would stay after last season. You can't hear me at all? No. Ah, shit. All right, well, we're having some uh, technical difficulties, folks. We will be back momentarily. (laughs) Is your, well, I guess he can't fucking hear me. I was about to ask, did your headset die? Yeah, I'm going to leave and come back. Okay. All right, well, I guess I can bullshit about stuff for a second. We are about, yeah, like I said earlier, though, this uh, today's episode is just not our normal format or not what we're normally used to. We usually do Wednesdays at 8 p.m., which if you've been watching 
you're probably used to that by now too. But like I said earlier, finals week has just been no bueno, no fun. Uh, and now we're here. So I don't know what exactly is going on with Elijah's computer, but there's been a few technical difficulties in the past before. So I guess we will just have to see where that goes. Um, yeah. All right, we will. We're gonna make a quick substitution, real quick, since uh, Elijah is not ready. We're gonna go ahead and hop right into the NFL draft talk with Colin, and yeah, we will be back in just a few seconds. actually yeah what's up hey, Brian? What, how is, are you? what is up i'm good man how are you sorry about this uh little i don't oh, know yeah. technical difficulty oh, whatever's good. going on this wasn't exactly how it was planned to go down but how are we doing my man doing pretty good i just finished my last final i think thursday so i'm officially done like elijah i'm done Grab yeah you're done with college wow yeah it's Dude, that's a weird feeling it doesn't feel right well i mean especially because like you probably did you finish like your last test online yeah, so it felt kind of odd. I'm not going to lie. I felt kind of like I got gypped. Yeah, but, exactly, right? Like the last like year or two of college has just been kind of gypped from us. So Yeah, the Rona really helped with that. But enough about enough about mis our misfortunes. Yeah, no, exactly. Rona definitely fucked everything up. Uh, yeah, let's let's get into the NFL draft. Let's I talk heard, a little well, bit Before about we go happened. into that, I want to talk about – I don't think uh, – what's his name? Rodgers is going to stick because I saw an interesting stat because out of all the three major quarterbacks that Green Bay has, like Bart Starr, Brett, Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Wonder how many seasons each of them has played? Like ten? They've each played sixteen years. That's it. They've never Wait. played past year seventeen. Damn, I was way under. <laughs> I knew it was like at least a decade, but shit. Yeah, so like Bart Starr, sixteen years. Brett Favre, sixteen years. Aaron Rodgers, he just finished year sixteen, so I don't think he's gonna break the streak. So that is weird. Yeah, that's a that I wonder how they how do they find those stats, bro? Like they're so specific and shit. Like it makes it interesting, though, to talk about. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know how they come up with those. And, I mean, I forgot. Yeah, no, it was Brett Favre. It was Brett Favre who said this. I knew it was one of the legendary Packers quarterbacks. But he kind of came out and, like, said, like, look, I understand why Aaron is frustrated. Like, basically saying that the Packers organization has been doing this kind of shit for a while. So Yeah, and then, like, way up, I heard on sports shows and, like, Max Kellerman and all that. But I don't really – I take what he I whatever whenever he talks I take with a grain of salt because he said Brady's been done for the past decade so but the thing is with him like the way I've heard like they don't treat uh Aaron Rodgers like the like the cornerstone quarterback they, they treat him like X like they treat Mahomes like he's a god Brady like he's a god whatever they whatever those quarterbacks want they get with Rodgers it seems like they have the they're like yeah, he's an afterthought. Well, he's basically the cornerstone frat. He's like the cornerstone quarterback. I'm just a no. Um, I, just I that's actually a really good point. I totally agree with that. Like you're right, they do treat Mahomes. I mean, granted, they should treat Mahomes like a god because he is a fucking god amongst men. But yeah, you're right. They they really do just have been, or at least this past season or so, have been treating Aaron Rodgers like an X in the X and O scheme like that. But my question is. I mean, he's been doing Jeopardy lately. Have you seen that? He's been hosting the Jeopardy show. Yeah, I think – well, I also he was a big fan of Alex Trebek too. I think he, that was like one of his like dreams he said that 
Yeah, he, he said he's always wanted to do that, like host it. So it's kind of cool to see him do it. I mean, I've, I've watched an episode with him hosting. I think he does a great job. Um, but what I'm wondering, though, is what if – could you imagine he stops playing football to just host Jeopardy? I can see it. I think there was another quarterback that um, that retired early just in this prime. He's like, you know, just like Barry Sanders, like how he retired at like 30. He's like, you know, I'm done. And Cal- or Calvin Johnson, he's like, I don't want to do any more of this. I'm done. Yeah, like, Calvin Johnson's retirement is always just weird to me because it was like he started playing basically right when I got into football. So it was like for me, he had just always been there and then he was just gone. So, yeah, that was that was a little bit weird to retire after eight seasons it was, right? I think he played from 2017 to 15. Yeah, one of those. But, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the NFL draft. Uh, like I said earlier, one of the craziest drafts we've had in a long time. I was absolutely glued to my television set watching the entire first round. But, Colin, my question for you is we all know pick number one was a lock. Trevor Lawrence, that was a guarantee. Pick number two after the combine and everything, everybody was assuming it was going to be Zach Wilson. That was kind of a lock. I agree, actually. I I do, too. I don't see it. I don't mean, like, he literally – No, let's talk about that, actually. Zach Wilson is a bust. I agree. I, I don't think he's worthy of the number two pick. I would have took Justin Fields with that. I, I think Justin Fields is being incredibly underrated. I don't know what happened, but like ever since the combine and stuff, his draft stock had just been slowly seeping down and down and down. I have no idea what it was. There were character questions, I know, but Justin Fields is talented as shit. Yeah, the thing is like, what was like, like no offense to BYU, but who do they play? Exactly. Yeah, they don't have a they don't have a conference to play in. They I know they played who was it Coastal Carolina, who was I mean they're not a Power Five school, but they had a decent they program. Yeah, they were good. But yeah, and I I don't know. It's the same thing. You could say the same thing, I guess, with North Dakota State. Um, that you know they produced Carson Wentz and now Trey Lance. Is that gonna translate? Yeah, um, Trey Lance only had one good year, and that was like an iffy one. Exactly. That's that was my next question I wanted to lead into was about whether or not the 49ers got it right with Trey Lance. But before we do that, Elijah appears to be back. So we're gonna bring him back real quick. So just a sec. All right, Elijah, are we working now? Yeah, we're working. All right. <laughs> a little bit of Colty's. Son of a bitch. <laughs> it is what it is. But and I, you missed it a little bit. We were talking a little bit more on the Aaron Rodgers uh, conversation. And then we got into the draft recap where Colin made the bold prediction that Zach Wilson is going to be a bust. And I actually agree with him. I, I don't really think Zach Wilson is top tier quarterback. So I want to get your opinion on that. Um. I could probably get down on the Zach Wilson as a bus train just because of the fact that the Jets picked him and the Jets are organization that the, they always have their woes, you know. Um, he's an athletic freak. He can make throws that no other quarterback in this draft could make, including Trevor Lawrence. But outside of that, he, he can. He, he can make those out-of-your-mind throws. He makes those, you know, Patrick Mahomes styles throws. I mean, you saw his pro day where he's rolling to the left and he – yeah, with no it. defenders. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but still, it's still fact, impressive. You're right. The You're fact right. that his arm could do that is something that you it know, is crazy. That is NFL worthy, and it is worthy of a second pick in the draft. But I don't know. It's tough. We'll see. 
Um, Zach Wilson could be one of those guys where he could be like one of the biggest buffs ever, busts ever. And you look at him and you say, what the fuck was the league thinking by thinking that he was like worth a second pick. And then he could be one of those guys where the jets lucked out and he was the savior of their franchise. He could literally go both ways. I'm sure that's what New York fans are hoping for. The jets, have not, the jets have not had a good quarterback since Broadway Joe. Honestly, yeah, I don't I don't remember the Jets ever having a good quarterback since I've been alive. Like what is it? I remember Geno Smith at one point was supposed to be their savior, dude. Like come on. Like I, seriously, Sam Darnold was their best bet that I know of since I've been alive. Well, they had Brett Favre for a year. Okay. He was, yeah, was spaced out of his mind. He had no clue what what year he was in. That's true too. <laughs> yeah, they they just really haven't had anybody. So, I guess I mean, you could say uh, Mark Sanchez, you know, what a legend he is. The Sanchez, yeah. The Sanchez yeah. was there for a couple of years. Um, they, yeah. I mean, they did go to back-to-back AFC championships, but... A butt fumble. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, then it led to that. But I don't know. I think I think we're going to see, for the first time ever, when watching the Jets, is we're going to see some entertainment with Zach Wilson. I, yeah. The division. It's definitely going to be more entertaining than watching Sam Darnold. I, yeah. I would agree with that. Sam I Donald's think, not really the flashiest guy. I think he's going to be good TV. I will say that. I think Zach Wilson will be good TV, and he's going to put on a show. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, I, I would love to watch that. I just don't really know if I think so, the Jets can do more than like – What my prediction for the Jets is like four wins probably. Four wins would be an improvement for them. So I could see them getting to six. I could see that'd them That'd be big. Six. That'd be big for them after one year of one and 15 – but yeah. my next question, though, is whether or not the uh, 49ers got it right. I know you, Elijah, had Trey Lance going number three in your mock draft, so you called it, but do you think they made the right decision? Um, Well, I didn't call it. I actually put Mac Jones in my mock draft, but that's just because that was the buzz around it. But when, Wait, really? Yeah. I thought but, it was Trey Lance. Uh, well, because when the 49ers first made this trade, the uh, – there was a voice in my head that just said, Trey, they're going to pick Trey Lance with this pick. And that's because they already have Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance needs time to develop. So I think that yeah. Trey Lance is going to sit there with a clipboard for an entire year this year. And you should then, get that checked out if you hear voices in your head. I probably should, but it's it's worked out for me so far. Um, but anyway... Uh, if if Trey Lance has a clipboard in his hand for a full year and gives himself time to develop, much like with the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, um, then I think it could be something that could work out really well because he needs time to acclimate to the NFL game. And if he has time to sit and learn and um, really study the NFL game, then I think he could be scary, especially with, uh, with a head coach like Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that, that kind of relates to what me and Colin were just talking about before you joined back on is like he had he played at a small school, you know, he played one really good season. So he's kind of an unproven talent. So he yeah. He didn't throw an interception in that season too. That is true, yeah, but let's let, who is he facing? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, like and, South Dakota State and North yeah. Dakota. I don't know. And and I will say that I watched a little bit of the FCF playoffs earlier this week and it was so hard to watch. Really? It was so hard to watch. It was worse than Maction. Dude, but Maction's fun. Yeah, but like, it's fun because it's shitty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is so even, sh- it, it was even shittier than Maction. So, like, it, 
So, like, yeah, like, who did he play? But, I mean, Carson Wentz also came from that, you know, level of football. And, and look how he turned he was, out now. Well, he was a very good quarterback for a period of time. I think the Eagles ruined him, though. I think that was the Eagles' fault. Well, he got hurt, too. Yeah, like, bad, too. And And before he got hurt, he was the MVP elect. That is true. He was up for the MVP. You're right. It's just been quite the downfall for Wincy boy. Yeah. But my what I want to get into now on the draft is uh, overall, who do you think the biggest winner and the biggest loser is from this draft? Now let's start with Colin. Colin, do you who do you think overall had like the best draft? Uh, I mean, I could go to the Jaguars because they probably got they probably got the best court. They got the best player in the draft, in my opinion. They did, yeah. Taking that out of the factor, I would say probably. I mean, I would have to say the Lions. I I actually like their draft a lot. I mean, because no, a lot of people had Penny Sewell going before seven, so I think they got a good pick with him at number seven, at least for the first round. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and the Bengals. I think I know they're your team, Ryan, but I mean, they really screwed the pooch on that one. I mean, I know they want to help out Joey B, but I mean, you pick a receiver over a stud of a lineman whenever Joey was running for his life the entire season. Oh yeah. No, trust I mean, me. They're, I, I have, they're my biggest loser for the draft, even though they're my team, they are my biggest loser. I mean, I actually could say the Cowboys cause they actually didn't, they actually actually picked something right this time. They picked a good defensive player, which I thought either going to pick another whiteout or running back. I really did. I did. I don't trust Jerry. He's got he too much. He's gets too excited. I've actually heard a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, negative, I guess, just negative feedback from Cowboys fans on the Parsons pick. They don't know what they're talking about half the time. Like they <laughs> they they want champions now, but they they're in a nine and seven division. Yeah, at best. Well, I mean, Elijah's a Cowboy fan. What's your I mean, take? Elijah, on that? no offense, but I mean, you, you guys have such high expectations. Well, we're in the Super Bowl next year, so it doesn't. Oh matter. yeah, of course we win. Yeah, of course, of course. Every single year you're winning the Super Bowl next year. Well, we are. So that that's but that's besides the point. I really liked what we did with the Parsons pick. I think that was really smart to um, after the best two quarterbacks at eight and nine got picked before us to trade back and then go ahead and ultimately draft Parsons, um, which is something I'm really excited about because LVE always gets hurt, and then unfortunately. Uh, Jalen Smith hasn't lived up to his fullest potential, so he isn't what he's supposed to be either. So Parsons will help complete that linebacker core and maybe help stop the run, maybe help be a, you know, because yeah, athletic freak, he can help out our defense. And then, you know, a couple other picks in our draft, I'm a fan of going really heavy defense in, in the first, like, four rounds. So Yeah, defense was definitely the move for the Cowboys. I, I think – well, I guess they couldn't really do it, but they made they made the best move by trading down from number ten after Sertain got taken. Because I think I think they should have definitely gone with a cornerback, but you know, both the best options were off the board. I will say something about that trade down though is the fact that the Cowboys traded with the Eagles to uh, for the Eagles to jump the Lions is that the Cowboys are more afraid of the Giants than they are of the Eagles in this division. Um, and I, I would be really, too, though. That really tells me that the Giants are knocking on the door of being a really competitive team. 
because they and think about it too is that the Eagles traded up to draft a receiver Devontae Smith and then the Giants ultimately traded down to draft a receiver also Kadarius Tony but you know when you think about it who would you if you're the Cowboys and you're in that front office who would you be more scared of a cow or a Giants team with Devontae Smith who they would have picked if the Cowboys didn't trade down or a Cowboys team with Kadarius Tony I actually I mean, think the Giants team I think Kadarius Tony fits in really well with the Giants scheme. I, I actually have – I haven't placed it yet, but I'm planning on placing a future bet for the Giants to win the division next season. I think it's going to happen. They really could. I mean, I'm scared of them. But like, I, that, It's between that, the Cowboys and the Giants. Well, actually, I don't know, dude. The Redskins have a good defense. Like That yeah. division's really up in the air. The football team. The football team. Oh, you're right. Yeah, not the Redskins. Dude, it's just habit, bro. Not the Redskins. I'm well, not racist, I swear. Not Redskins. Fit- Fitz magic is going to be Fitz magic until he's fixed tragic. Unfortunately, as much that's as every four weeks, it. about four weeks, give it about you know? four to six weeks and then you're done. But the giants are definitely going to be a team to look out for this year. I think that they've made a lot of good move this off season by adding free agents on both the offensive and defensive side. they signed Kenny Galladay. They've signed a couple of really good, uh, Defensive backs. They signed that defensive back from Tennessee with Dory Jackson. They signed a Dory Jackson. That was Jackson. a good pickup. Yeah. And they, they had a really good draft. And also they added a first round pick in next year's draft. So I think if uh if Danny Dimes pans out, which I think he's gonna have a really good year this year, the Giants if, are really gonna be a team to look If out he's for. gonna if he's gonna do good, this is the year to do good. Because this also like you said, they had a good draft all around. They picked up Aziz Olajari, the linebacker slash edge rusher from Georgia. At pick number 50 in the second round, like they were considering taking him in the first and they managed to get him in the second. So I think that's a big, big win for the Giants. But my personal favorite, we have a couple comments here that are agreeing with it. Um, the Bears had the best draft, I think, all around, like by far. They made phenomenal move to trade up and take Justin Fields. I think that was the right move for their franchise. And then what a dude, the second round. This is thanks to the Bengals, by the way. Second round, they traded up four picks and lost basically nothing to draft Tevin Jenkins, the lineman from Oklahoma State, who a lot of people had in the 20s, like in their mock drafts in the first round. So mm-hmm. I think they had a really good draft. They did what they needed to do. But I feel bad for my boy Andy Dalton. He's my favorite player, and I don't want to see him on the bench. Well, I think he's probably going to play about six games realistically before – Justin Fields takes over because he I is going to be the he is going to start week one. Um, I don't think that's going to be any sort of debate whatsoever. But as soon as he uh, as soon as he gets hurt, which will probably be be early on in the season, he's going to take over. Probably much alike to um, Justin Herbert this season. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, on one end I'm sad for Andy, but on the other I'm happy. Like he had it. He played his career. Now he's the highest paid backup in the NFL. Like I'd be chilling with that dude. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, like I said, though, I think the biggest loser for the draft is uh, I guess here. Yeah. I'll turn, you know, you can see my, my Bengals flag up here. Uh, Depressing, very depressing watching that draft. uh, I would say possibly the Raiders too. I mean, they picked, I will. They picked um. What's his name? What's his name? What's his Alex name? Leatherwood. Picked, yeah, Alex Leatherwood, and he was like, like a he's like a second round. They could have got him in the second round. Yeah, there was Maybe a seventy percent chance that he would be available at their pick number forty six in the second round, but they cool. made up for it because they got Trevon Merrick. Yeah, and it, like honestly, too, Mel Kiper said this in one of his uh, draft recaps. If they would have just swapped those first two picks, 
if they took Merrigan the first and uh, Leatherwood in the second, then they would have gotten a better grade. So it's literally like, you know, no harm, no foul, basically. Yeah, they, they ended up, I think, with still both the players they would have gotten originally. But I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, taking Leatherwood at number 17. That really didn't make sense. The, the Raiders do Raiders things with their draft. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't I don't want to move on from the Bengals quite yet. I want to I really just want to set it in how terrible of a move that was. You know, okay, I shouldn't say terrible. It's never a bad idea to take a generational talent like Jamar Chase. That's not a bad idea. But Joe Burrow is going to get his ass ate by these defensive linemen, dude. Like our offensive line is not cutting it and I've seen tweets, Bleacher Report, hyping up the Bengals receivers. Like, oh, do they have the best wide receiver trio in the NFL? It doesn't matter. Joe Burrow's going to have two seconds to throw the ball. It doesn't matter, dude. Is he going to start the season? Burrow, um, there's a chance, but he may sit out the first week or two. Um, Honestly, I think you should sit out the first half, if not the entire year. Okay, let's calm down. I think you should sit out a couple games just to play it safe. And then he's going to come in and lead us to the playoffs, baby, somehow. Stay off the weed. <laughs> hey, I mean, if Joe Burrow could lead us to the playoffs, shit, dude, I, don't, I would do a lot more than weed for that. But, yeah, and then their next dumbass move was they took a kicker in the fifth round. Who takes a kicker in the fifth round? Like, I, I just don't – I don't get it. He wasn't even, like – an amazing kicker. He went 17 for 22 last season. So I don't know. It was frustrating. So that was fun. Uh, Colin, how do you feel about the bills draft? You know, you're a big bills fan. Yeah. I mean, the first guy, I think Gregory Russo, I think he's like his brother was born in Buffalo. I mean, so he has a connection. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy he's from the U. So, I mean, the U've always, they produce the good players, but I mean, I trust I, pr- I trust the process. Billy Bean knows what he's doing. Brandon Bean, big baller. Big baller Bean, he knows what he's up to. I mean, um, and I think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. They're the really – they're the only competition to the Chiefs, and they're the Bills are definitely bolstering up their defense, which they have to because, I mean, it was painful watching them play defense. It was like I, I could tell you what was going to happen before the snap. So, I mean – it's kind of weird. The Bills went from being like a defensive first team to like one of the most electric offenses in the NFL over the course of the last five seasons or so. Ryan Duball, baby, and Josh Allen. The man knows what he's doing. Josh Allen is fun to watch, bro. He's so fun to watch. But he's, yeah, I think Rousseau, Rousseau is a great pick for them in the first round because like Jerry Hughes, you know, big TCU guy, woo woo. Um, he he's getting old though. Uh, he's he's only probably got I think maybe. Maybe two more years, two good years. Yeah, I think so too. So I think it was a good pick, good time to replace him. But also, there is a quote from like their old GM said, uh, "The first three rounds that those are picks that anybody can pick. That's like, but rounds four through seven, that's how if you pick those well enough, that's how you win the Super Bowl. And I think that will determine. I don't know who had the best for the later rounds, but well, nobody will know until four years after it happens. So yeah." doesn't really matter yeah or i mean in the cowboys case dak prescott was a pretty instant turnaround from a fourth round pick so it's true the third but, sniper um, no they should not you said what uh, uh, somebody commented comment. that uh should teams draft punters at all and the answer is no no just flat <laughs> out no 
Just, who <laughs> asked that? No, teams should never draft punters. But Presley Harvin is the GOAT. I will say that, though. Oh, yes. The Georgia Tech punter, big old boy. He's so fun, dude. I, I can't wait to see him in the league. I remember, who was it? Marquette King for the Raiders. He was, like, really – I don't know why, but he was, like, the only entertaining punter in the NFL. Like, <laughs> he had a celebration or something after almost every kick that was really well, fun to watch. He, he brought swag to the position. He was, like, pretty much like Pat McAfee, you know. That's, like – that's like him, Marquette King and Pat McAfee are the only two punters ever to bring swag to the position. So. Yeah, it seems like everybody else is there just, like, has no emotions, no personality. They literally just sit there and fucking punt the ball. Which I'm totally fine with, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that's their job, you know? Like, that's what they go in there and get paid millions. Dude, God, being a punter would be sick, bro. Imagine that. You big guys that. like that to do that, my God, I would kill to have that job. Exactly. God, dude, you never have to get hurt, like nothing. You, occasionally, you get, you get laid out, but I mean. So, um, flag. since the draft has finally happened, and we'll finally get to see all these uh Newly drafted former college players finally play in the NFL. Who's going to be your pick to be the rookie of the year, uh, the offensive rookie of the year, and then defensive rookie of the year? Let's start with offensive. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. My offensive rookie of the year, it's definitely going to be the favorite pick. Probably m- most everybody is picking this too, but Trevor Lawrence, just because I think. Good, good system for him to go to with Urban Meyer. I think he'll he's, succeed. He's the obvious pick. I'd probably go if I'm going to pick like a my actual pick. It'd probably be T Law too. I mean, he's he's going to start Week One, no doubt, and I think he's going to put up the best numbers, especially him up there with ETN. And ETN's going to be put in like a a running back slash wide receiver role that Urban Meyer loves, and so that's going to help. That's going to help T Law out a lot. And I think he's going to put up a lot of really good numbers. He's only going to win six games, but most likely he's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Colin, what do you think? If T. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't win Rookie of the Year, I swear to God, I'm going to shave my head. All right, y'all heard it. We heard it right now. We got it on tape. We got it recorded. Trevor Lawrence but, I mean, doesn't win. I mean, I mean, he's going to suck. The Jaguars, they're going to. Suck. I mean, let's be honest. I, I know if there's any Jags fans, I apologize. Great. But they're not – no, it's like 5 and 12, if that. That would be a big improvement. I mean, shit, going from 1 and 15 to 5 and 12, that's huge. Well, that's like saying 1 plus 1 is 2, then, like, I don't know. I get, what, I get what you're saying. I, I but agree I would, that the Jags won't be that good. What were you about to say? Go ahead. I would say probably – but my second my, – my, I would have to – I probably would have to go Jalen Waddle to be just the second one because, I mean, I got a soft spot for Jalen Waddle. Don't know why, just he. I just like the guy, but I probably defensive would have to be as much as I hate to say it as a true Bills fan. Micah Parsons for the Cowboys. I, it pains me to say that, but that's like the best. I mean, Jerry actually, he actually did it right. Proud of him. I agree I, with you. I think that uh, I think Parsons is going to be our defensive uh, rookie of the year this year as well. And I'm proud of Jerry. Yeah. I'm, see, I'm going to switch it up. I'm I'm not taking Parsons for defensive rookie of the year. My prediction is Patrick Sertain for the Broncos, who a lot of Cowboys fans thought that's who they were going to end up with. I thought it was one of the biggest locks of the draft that the Cowboys were going to end up with Sertain. But Broncos did it. And, I mean, Broncos have traditionally had great cornerbacks in the past. So I think it's a system that he fits in well. And 
The only thing is Patrick Sertain is probably going to be covering the number one wide receivers already. See, I'm going to disagree with you right there because um, quarterbacks really have a hard year in their rookie years being in the NFL. They usually take a full year before they get to where they're supposed to be. Who was it? Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints? Yeah. Uh, He was like like the last one to have a really good rookie year. I mean, usually usually quarterbacks, they take about a year before they get to where they're supposed to be. Wait, is Sertain from Bama, right? Yes. Yeah. All like the number one receivers are from Bama. So he's it's gonna be like practice for him. So I mean, yeah, right. He's been covering all these first round receivers so for the past probably three years. So I that's think a good point. Of- I didn't even think about that. that. Yeah. Point. He's been covering but- all these Bama. Dude, Bama's receiving core is just oh, it's it's not even fair, dude. I saw a stat. It was um, Alabama. Their 2017 recruiting class. Just in that recruiting class produced eight first-round draft picks. So compare that to, let's say, Cincinnati and UCF, right? Those are not Power 5 programs, but they're two of the best group of five programs. Those two schools together all time, ever in the history of the school, have produced six first-round draft picks. Nick Saban has eight in one recruiting class. That's insane, dude. I can't – I don't know if we're ever going to see anything like this again, but – we probably will because Saban's just going to keep on doing what he's been doing in the past five years, and that's just accumulate the best talent on earth. Well, that's true. I don't. I mean, like past Saban and Bama. Like once once this era is over, however long it's going to last, it's going to be Dabo right after Saban. I don't. I don't. No, I, I don't, don't know. think it's Dabo. I don't, I don't know. So. I think it's going to be Ryan Day. Really at Ohio State? Really? Yeah. I. Th- I mean, I think Day's a great coach. Um. He had a lot of expectations coming into Ohio State, and he lived up to every single one of them. Like he he has done a phenomenal job, but I think it's just hard to say that he can be that dominant whenever they've had five star recruits every single year. But like Bama, Nick Saban has lost like something like twenty eight games in his career or twenty three games Nick in his Saban, career. He eats cereal and pisses excellence. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, Ricky Bobby said it best. I mean, he wakes up, pisses excellence, dude. Nick Saban just is a winner. But wait, what was the stat? He has like 23 losses. Six of his losses with Alabama came in his first season. So like, you know, he he kind of he kind of built him up a little bit. You know, and Ryan Day's been getting all these top recruits forever. Ryan Day will definitely bring a natty to Ohio State though one year. One year, yeah. There's, natty. there's 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 no there's no doubt about that, but I think the future of college football definitely lies with Clemson as soon as Saban retires. Well, I mean, Clemson, they're already there, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, they're already there, but who's their biggest stopgap? You're right. Yeah, Alabama is always going to be the GOAT of college football, so that would be tough to pick. Yeah, but back to the uh, rookie of the year stuff. Like you said, you're, you would take Lawrence realistically, but your dark horse would be uh, – fuck shit, who was it? Uh, Jalen Waddle would be my dark horse. Okay. I think I think the Dolphins are going to take off this year. They've been they've been tracking up ever since Brian Flores took over as coach, and I think this is the year that they really take off. Hopefully, and this is all dependent on Tua having a really good year, and that's why they took Waddle ultimately. And I think that uh, Waddle is going to take Tua to that next step. And then if they do, Waddle's going to have a Justin Jefferson type year, and there's no quarterback that'll put up. If there's no quarterback to put up, you know, Justin Herbert numbers, then Waddle be the rookie of the year. I, I could see that happening too. I 
I, for my dark horse, I went with Najee Harris actually, because um, a little bit, it's definitely a dark horse pick because the Steelers offensive line has just gotten significantly worse uh, ever since Le'Veon Bell was the top back in the league. But I think Najee Harris was a great draft pick for them. They definitely need a running back after losing James Conner to the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see if he can actually produce at the NFL level. I think he's definitely built for it. Like, look at Derrick Henry and what he's doing right now. No, he's gonna be he's gonna be great in the NFL. Yeah, Alabama. It's it's hard to. I was gonna say Alabama's RBU, but Alabama's, they're wide receiver. You know, they're yeah, they're everything. You dude, they literally just produce everything. And if Mac Jones pans out and Tua pans out, then they're gonna be QBU. Yeah, well, speaking of Mac Jones, that's one of my bold predictions for this draft class is I think out of all five of the quarterbacks taken, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, I think Mac Jones will have the greatest NFL career, the best legacy when it's all said and done and he retires, solely based off the fact that he got drafted by the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, that is really the only reason. Well, with that being said, though, the first got a lot to live up to. Uh, well, the first quarterback that's going to win a, a Super Bowl ring out of this draft is going to be Kyle Trask. <laughs> Wait, where did he go again? <laughs> the Bucks, Tampa. dude. Yeah, that's right. I forgot <laughs> about that. But yeah, that I actually love that pick. I love watching Kyle Trask in college. He was a lot of fun at Florida. Um, there was definitely a lot of concerns though, because whenever Kyle Pitts and like his other weapons weren't healthy, Kadarius Tony, he didn't really play that well so i don't know i liked watching him in college so i think that's a good pickup for the bucks like develop under tom brady what a gig though dude like god i just think about that like what a job you're a backup in the nfl getting paid millions of dollars you never have to actually do anything there's no pressure on you and you're learning under the greatest quarterback to ever live like god that's the dream job dude that would be the dream job Pretty much Alex, um, Alex Moran vibes for sure. Yeah. But there were also a few steals in this draft that I wanted to talk about. Like, for example, the Chargers had Slater, Rashawn Slater at number 13, which Slater, a lot of people projected him to go anywhere within the top 10, even. Some people had the Bengals taking Slater over Sewell, which I thought was just, I don't know. I thought they were on crack if they were thinking that. But, the Chargers came up with him at number 13. I think that was a phenomenal pick. Um, another one I want to talk about is what do you think about Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota? Um, I think he'll provide what uh what Lamar Jackson needs, basically. I mean, like they needed a big receiver. They've been dying for a big receiver. Their whole receiving core is like small guys, you know, guys that can shift in and out, but they don't have that guy that can throw up the 50-50 ball, and I think he'll provide just what that offense needs. Yeah, I think he was a perfect fit, dude, because I couldn't believe that the Titans passed on him and took Elijah Moore instead. Or no, not Elijah Moore. Who did, who did the Titans take? They took a defensive player. Yeah, it wasn't Elijah Moore. I'm trying to think. Elijah Moore went in the second round. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, I was surprised that Bateman went that late in the first because, like you said, though, he's a perfect fit for the Ravens. Literally, like, textbook perfect fit. So I thought Bateman was one of the more underrated players in the draft. I, I really like his style. I think it's going to translate like directly to the NFL. Colin, do you know much about Bateman? I know he went to University of Minnesota. Um, 
I know, well, my one of my roommates, he was from Minnesota. He is from Minnesota. Um, he said that he bullet raced the their quarterback, but that's totally different. That's a totally different story. Um, I mean, Minnesota to me shocked me this year because I mean, PJ Fleck, he turned them around because I I didn't really know anything about them, but I mean. I don't trust the Ravens. They're still going to get killed by the Bills. So, I mean, what difference does it make? Well, I, yeah, I'm sure a Bills fan would say so. But, you know, I think the Ravens they... can compete. No, generally, I think the Bills are the best team. I think the Bills are the best team other than the Chiefs, of course, in the AFC. So, but, but yeah, I think I, the Ravens I think it was a good compete. pick. It was a good pick. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, yeah, what else is there to talk about in the draft? Like, there was just so much that went on, dude. It was a good draft. What did you think about the overall draft presentation? Like, like how the they chair. Yeah. Like chair. The there's the chair. I think. Um, oh god. The, the, the only. Th- I think it's so dumb how they like have all these things going on with the draft, and they have all like this bullshit going on. I feel like it should just be Roger Goodell just going up, announcing the pick, going back, and then going for it. That's for the people. Pick. Yeah, and but like, and it's so like annoying to watch on TV. The only re- like explanation that I c- could come up for that is that being at the draft must be a fucking riot. Because <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's one of my friends. They, one of my they friends. even had Kings of Leon up there like singing, and it was I don't know. There's just a lot of dumb presentation stuff. I'm like, why are you doing this? Just please, just they I just make it know a spectacle. Yeah. They make it a spectacle. Yeah, one of my friends though, he uh he actually went to the draft whenever it was held at Cowboy Stadium. Um, and he got to sit or not sit, but stand on like the floor level where all those fans are and stuff. And ironically, even though he's a Cowboys fan, he got a ticket into the Bengals fan section. So I thought that was kind of funny. But that would be awesome, dude. Like actually being at the draft on the floor, that would be completely different. But this year's draft was super uh I don't know. It was, it was like you said, it was a big presentation. I thought the, the weirdest part about it was there was always just a random fan sitting in Roger Goodell's lazy boy chair. Like, what was that about? I, I don't understand. I don't know. Was, I don't know. It, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was so dumb. It really made no sense. But I also, like you said, like Roger Goodell should read every single pick. I don't, you know, it's cool to see like, oh, this kid. Actually, no, this sounds really bad. I shouldn't say that. But, like, you know, like, kids, like, oh, this kid is in the hospital. He's going to announce a pick right now. Like, that's cool to see, you know, good for that kid. Awesome. But at the same time, this is the NFL draft. Let's just, Roger Goodell, say the pick. Let's go. Say the pick. Next pick. Say the pick. At least for the first, in the first round, keep it straight, Goodell, and don't do all that. In the later rounds, do whatever you want and do all your Make-A-Wish kid stuff. So, yeah, I I think they should keep that for the fourth through seventh. God, the Make-A-Wish kid stuff. Sounds bad, but I mean that's that's true. I mean that's how it's, it how, it's how we feel. Okay, it's, it, it, it's our opinion. Okay, fuck. Yeah, I mean, great draft overall. I, it was fun to watch. Like I said earlier, I was my eyes were glued to the TV, all in all. Yeah, but let's move on from the draft now. Since we have you here, Colin, I know you are one of the bigger or one of the bigger baseball fans that I know. So what can you tell us about this season? Like what, what's been going on this first month? Like where are we at? Who's the favorites? Uh, one of my main question is why are the Yankees ass? <laughs> I mean, the Yankees, well, I don't know if you guys know the stat, but this last decade was the first decade in Yankees history that, that they did not win a world series. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Now think about that. The Yankees, the probably the best franchise ever. I mean, not not trying to like sound picky, I mean, but it's one of like the epitome of baseball franchises. And they did not win a uh, a World Series title during 2010 to 2020. That's gotta that that sucks. Well, I mean, I mean, you can you could say that the Yankees are one of the greatest franchises of, across any sport, really. Like, yeah, and they're the most they're the most valuable. I mean, so I mean, that's just and they're in the biggest market. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's just I don't know what the problem is. They paid a lot of money to Garrett Cole. I mean, he's really their own saving grace. I mean, he. I don't know if you've been guys been catching up, but I mean, he's been on fire. Like, yeah, he's paid, been on a tear. Yeah, I've been keeping up. I mean, he's been like up there with. With Jake, with Jacob Degrom, with the uh, strikeouts, I mean, it's. I think Garrett Cole may crack three hundred strikeouts this year. I mean, that's that how would good. be interesting to see. I mean, Cole is definitely one of the top pitchers in the league right now. I think he's top three, honestly. Yes, uh, it, yeah, but the Dodgers—they're going through their. Uh, what's the word? It's. Struggles. They're still in their um, championship celebration mode. Yeah, well, at one point, it feels like. Yeah, they were fourteen and four to start off the season, but then they've. But I, like, I wrote out a stat. I thought you'd find this interesting. Since April seventeenth, in the past seventeen games, they're five and twelve. That's bad yeah. for a world champion. Yeah, I saw um, something too, like going along the lines of that. They've been bad recently. Uh, if you were a hundred dollar better, like you bet a hundred dollars every time. Fading the Dodgers, you would currently be positive over fifteen hundred dollars just since April seventeenth. So they started off fourteen and four, but since then I've definitely just—I don't know what it is—but been on some kind of slump. There's one player that I'm actually very excited that we're talking about. Oh, before I say anything else, today is Willie Mays' birthday. Probably the greatest baseball player ever. I mean, I mean, most athletic all-around player ever. Since turns ninety, the Say Hey Kid. Look him up, guys. Great player. But I would probably the one player I'm looking really looking forward to is Shonhi Otoni, the pitcher slash DH for the Angels. So far, Shohei. He's, yeah, Shohei. I apologize. No, you're good, you're good. I did the same thing. But so far, he's tied for first when home runs for 10 with Ronald Acuna and JD Martinez. And he's also, I mean, he's pitching. He's hit like a hundred throwing for pretty good. I think he's like two and one, maybe. I don't I mean, the Rangers are trying to keep him because he just came off Tommy John, so they're trying to limit him. But that's one player I'm really excited to see. But I wonder how long he can keep that up because I've never – I mean, pitching takes a lot out of you, but also hitting too for 162-game season, that's just – that's one thing I really want to look to see because he's a pretty good hit, hitter, but I don't know. It's gonna yeah, be he's, tough. he's like phenomenal at hitting, I feel like. He's one of the best hitters on the Angels. Yep. Well, that's a tough. That's a pretty high mark. You just said there because they have Mike Trout, the best player in the game. Mike Trout going off too. Yeah, I saw a funny stat where through sixty nine at bats, he had he was at hitting four twenty. Yeah, like right when he was at the sixty nine mark. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I saw that everywhere. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, he. I think depending, barring no injuries, Trout may get MVP. I mean, he's a shoe in for the top th- top two, top three voting, but. And they also have Anthony Rendon, but the Angels are being Angels. They are the bottom of the division. I mean, yeah, hey, the like, Rangers, the Rangers, baby, hey, they're winning some games. We're right not now. terrible this year. We're not terrible. It's that, what, new I, it's that new stadium. It's that new stadium. 17. 
Well, we haven't even been that good at home. We've been doing really good on the road. It's It's been blowing my... I thought we were going to be historically bad, and we're not this year. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I thought the Rangers are just going to suck this year because, I mean, we trade away Elvis, my man. And, I mean, Joey Gallo, he's all or nothing. We're on a strikeout. There's no single... He's not a single nah, guy. We got we got Nick Solak, who's been balling out. Adolis Garcia, he's Solak been is good, bro. balling out. Um, I couldn't... Prior to this, prior to the season, I could not tell you one pitcher because I I thought we had still had Corey Kluber. Apparently, he's been gone for like two years. Our That's, pitching staff has been really good this year too. I know I've been shocked. It's I been really awesome. have been shocked. I'm excited. I'm. This is the first time that I've said this in about three years, but I'm very excited for our future right now. It's a young team, yeah. Oh, yeah. the the no hitter. I'm. That was actually I, I didn't watch any of it, but that Baltimore Orioles get uh, a no hitter. I mean that's. That, I mean, three no hitters is early in the season. That's pretty good. I mean, no hitters are very rare, but I mean, I'm looking forward to. It. Did you? See, I don't know if you guys noticed, saw this, but that was one of the. He had a no. It wasn't a perfect game. It was just no hitter. He had no walks, but he had a wild pitch. But he still only faced a minimum of 27 batters. That's. that's yeah, rare. that's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, I saw that though. John Means, right? Or is it Joe Means? I know it's Means. Yo, John, one or the other. Yeah, John Means, but yeah, and then I saw a bunch of uh, graphics and stuff like. John means business because yeah, that, I mean, I love seeing no hitters, dude, as, as boring as it is to not have any hits in a baseball game, like shit, dude, that though, seeing a, a player, like actually be able to pull that off is absurd. Like I was, I was, we talked about it a few episodes ago, but I was actually at um, the Rangers game whenever Joe Musgrove threw the Padres first no header in history. So it, it and like all the fans, even the Rangers fans, were standing up cheering. So I feel like it's just something that everybody loves to see. No, having a no hitter or a perfect game is like literally like one of the most amazing things in all of sports. It really is. Like it 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 is the top. It's better than it is the single greatest accomplishment outside of like winning a championship in for any sports. It, it is the best accolade for a single game event in the history of ever. Yeah, like single game, team sport, individual achievement, top of the line. Yeah, I agree. It's been fun to see. But yeah, so Colin, um, other than that, so who like has been the biggest surprise to you this season? Like, is there any team that's been kind of coming out of nowhere with the record? Like we kind of talked about the Rangers. They've been surprising, even though they're not great. They're just not the worst. <laughs> I mean, the one team that shocked me looking at all the stats are probably – the Mets, they're fi sitting five. Well, I would say the Atlanta Braves because they're just sitting. They're fifteen and sixteen right now, and they're supposed to be, according to Sports Illustrated, they're supposed to win the World Series. Which they were, they're, yeah, projected like a top five team. Yeah. No, I don't trust. I don't. I mean, the team right now, which is probably my dark horse, would probably either be. Yeah, it's a tough way to win the season to decide. But I would probably say, San Fran, as much as I hate to say it, or maybe. St. Louis is always a dangerous bet, but probably, probably, I would have to say Tampa. I think Tampa, they're the dark horse, right? I think they have a good chance. I mean, I would never bet against the Dodgers to win it all, but Tampa, I mean, I, they're like the most logical team to do it. I mean, because they literally had no star hitting. They had Blake Snell, who got dealt to the Padres, but they still have glass now. Yes, but I, you, know, you never know. <laughs> you, you never yeah. know. No, San Fran's a team that you said they've really surprised literally everybody this year. Because I don't, I can't tell you. I can't anything. Like Buster Posey on. That's all I know on the team. 
Yeah, they were supposed to be mediocre at best, and now they're sitting at the top of the NL West at 18 and 12. So that's, cr- yeah. I mean, like they weren't even supposed to sniff the playoffs this year, and now they're it's supposed to be probably, San Diego's supposed yeah. to run that division. But yeah, yeah San Diego really that. hasn't been as dominant as I thought they would. But don't, they wasted $600 million on two players. It is all Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, they, Fernando Tatis has only played one full year, and he's there. I saw a highlight. This one commenter is like, that's vintage Tatis Jr. Like, the dude's only been in the league for one year. How is that vintage? Yeah. I mean, he's been putting up numbers. I forgot, like, the exact stat, but he was, like, the first shortstop to score, like, a certain amount for of runs. The first like- 162 games, I believe he had, like, the first 162 games over like three seasons because he's been injured and minor leagues and all that. He's at, I think, 48 home runs or something like that. I mean, that's good, but I mean, he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, that that is a big thing. He's got to stay healthy. And I'm sure the Padres feel the same way. You know, if you sign a guy to a 14-year, $340 million contract, you don't want him getting hurt. <laughs> but at the beginning of the season, Elijah and I made our predictions for the World Series. Um, but I want to get your take. Who do you think is the World Series? Well, who do Dodgers. you think is the World Series matchup? Dodgers versus now, actually, scratch that. I'll probably say St. Louis versus St. Louis, really? St. Louis versus Boston. Wow, okay, okay. yeah, that's pretty All right. interesting. All right, Colin, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Um, so drop some, back anytime, just let drop know. some baseball knowledge on us real quick. Of I course, can that's good. Before I go out, uh, Buffalo, um, Buffalo got the Toronto Blue Jays because they're just that good. Buffalo's just that good, you know. Wait, you said Buffalo got the Toronto Blue Jays? What? Yeah, because they shut down Canada because they can't. Oh, enter. okay, that makes so they way got more the rest sense. The, yeah, so I think for the rest of the year, they're gonna get the Blue Jays. So. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that makes way more sense. I thought you were trying to say that, like, yeah, they I forgot were gonna, about that. Yeah, they were gonna <laughs> move on, like, yeah, like move from Toronto to Buffalo. But all right, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate you coming on, dropping some baseball knowledge for us. It's always good talk. And thank, yeah, thank. maybe we'll see you later on. So yeah, appreciate you coming. We will be Problem. back in Thanks just a few me. seconds. Yeah. Appreciate it. All righty. Alrighty, and we are back. Appreciate Colin for coming on for that little quick segment. Yeah, and yeah, let's go ahead and get right into it. Another thing I wanted to talk about other than baseball, football is I just wanted to dabble on it a little bit. We don't have to go into it too much is the recent riots uh, outside the Premier League game. Uh, so I don't know if you saw this, Elijah, but there were outside of Manchester United stadiums. Uh, Manchester United was set to face off against Liverpool, which is considered the biggest game in English football because those are the two biggest clubs in England. And the, dude, the fans were not having it. Like I told you about how Arsenal's fans are mad at their owner, Stan Kroenke. Manchester United is in the same boat. There was over 10,000 fans rioting. They broke into the stadium. They they found a way to get into the locker room. They were tearing down equipment. It was chaos, like to the point where they had to cancel the game. So, like, the main reason well, I wanted to bring the this game? up. 
They canceled the game. Yeah, they originally oh, they they like rescheduled it for like an hour later, but they couldn't contain the crowd. They couldn't at all. Oh, so this like, is literally the first I'm hearing about this. So yeah, it was it was wild. So like the the main reason I brought it up though was like, what do you think would happen in America if, if something if fans reacted this way? Well, the only thing that I could even comp that to in America is probably, um, I want to say about four or five years ago when Boston was having a lot of its riots after some of the civil unrest was going on there. And they had they had a, a baseball game with literally no fans in the middle of these riots. Oh, yeah, I do remember the that Camden one, Yards. Um, and that's but like. Now, if you look at it now, it probably looks like nothing just because COVID and all that. But um, I, I don't know, like what, to cancel a sports game in America, all hell would have to break loose. Exactly. Like I, I remember, what was it? The NBA canceled games whenever. Well, I guess they didn't cancel them. They rescheduled them, though. Like whenever all like the George Floyd riots started breaking out, the NBA, you know, they, they took they place. Postponed them. But that that is also and that was in the bubble. Hell, that's also considered hell breaking loose. I mean, there were literally riots all over the country. But I mean, like I, I just don't I can't think of any compatible instance in like American sports where the fans have truly been like so upset with the way that the organization is run that they turn against it. You know, like I've, I've never seen that. I would have to say for one, we're a lot more stubborn when it comes on to scheduled games. Yeah. And two, Soccer fans are on a different planet than American sports fans are. As much as American sports fans try to be, say that, oh, we're the biggest sports fans of all, but we're the biggest sports fans of like f- four different sports. Yeah, a variety. Yeah. yeah. And soccer fan, but over in England, over in Europe, they're have all that energy centered around one sport and more specifically one team if you're from a certain area. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's I guess how it is. That's probably why that got so much out of hand i would say yeah dude it's just bro everything right now in in european soccer is kind of going crazy like we talked about the super league forming and disbanding a while back and now um uefa which uefa is like the governing body um that like sees over european football and uefa right now is considering banning every single club that was involved with the super league all 12 clubs they're considering banning them from european competition for two years which is huge like that's like a really big deal that means like barcelona real madrid atletico madrid all these big clubs that are in champions league every year wouldn't be allowed there's no way they're gonna do that i don't know i don't know it was a threat to football it was a threat to how everything yeah but they backed out of it you're right, and I think they made the best move to back out. But from UEFA's standpoint, the reason they want to do this is to prevent anything like that ever happening again. So do you think I don't know. Fall through, or you think they're just full of shit? I think it's going to fall through. I don't think they'll actually ban really? anybody for two years. That's that's huge to ban twelve of the biggest clubs in the world from European. I mean, Arsenal. My, you know, I got my Arsenal jersey on today. We had a big game today. I don't. I don't even want to fucking talk about it because we fucking couldn't score one goddamn goal in a semifinal of the Europa League. Anyway, <laughs> that's fine. But so yeah, now Arsenal has not qualified for European competition for the first time in nearly three decades. So 
at this point, I'm fine if UEFA does a ban. Fuck it. Arsenal's not there anyway. Go ahead and ban everybody else. But I, realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. That would be huge. But in other news, uh, football news, we have now both European competition finals are set. In the Champions League, we have Manchester City, who will face um, Chelsea. It is a dual Premier League team final. And Manchester City dominated PSG in the semifinal 4-1 to on aggregate. So that was pretty big. And it was almost, almost, almost a completely English final because in the Europa League, Manchester United will now take on Villarreal for the final. So the finals are set. We'll be talking about that more next week, previewing those because those are biggest matches in European football. But for now, we're going to go ahead and move on to our love it, our loathe it, everybody's favorite segment, best way to end the episode. Yeah, we got a few quick fire topics that we're going to fire off to one another. And yeah, let's go ahead and get right into it. All right. So college football is gaining, uh, the college football playoff is gaining support to expand to 12 teams. Love it or loathe it. I love it. I have been absolutely sick of this 14 playoff there's been way too many problems on which conference deserves it should a group of five team be in it's all bullshit there's way too much bias from the playoff committee 12 teams is the way to go i could maybe not 12 eight i could see eight even anything would be an improvement from four but i love it let's move on uh tim tebow requests an nfl tryout with the jaguars at tight end i loathe it he needs to learn when to hang it up let let's move on all right, Celtics come back down from down 32 to defeat the Spurs, and Greg Popovich gives a classic post-game interview. I love it. I, I think this is one of the things in the NBA that you know people always talk about the regular season. There's no effort. Nobody's really trying. I mean, shit, if you're down 32 points, what other better time is there to give up than that? But no, dude, the Celtics fought back. And like you said, Greg Popovich's interview was classic. He literally was in the post game. Reporters were like, "What do you think about this?" He goes, "I don't care. Like, I don't care. I don't. I don't know." Like he was just he was pissed. So yeah, I love that. Um, Najee Harris throws a draft party at the homeless shelter he grew up in. I, I love this. How can you not love this? I mean, this it was awesome to see Najee Harris, great dude, on and off the field. He threw a draft party for where he grew up, his homeless shelter. It, it was just really cool. A lot of a lot of heartwarming going on with that, but yeah, love it. Isn't he from the DFW area too? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so hell yeah. All right, Russell Westbrook drops 14 points, 24 assists, and 21 rebounds in a win over the Pacers. I love this. He is Russell Westbrook. You can love him or hate him. He is a generational talent. He is unique, very unique. He's not a Kevin Durant. He's not a LeBron James. He's not a James Harden. He is Russell Westbrook. Like he is... One of a kind. I don't think we've seen anybody do this in quite some time where they can consistently put up triple doubles like this. I mean, shit. That's an insane stat line. He was the third NBA player ever to drop 20 rebounds and 20 assists in a single game. So, yeah, love that. Good for him. And, yeah, all right, that'll do that. So, switching up now, I'm going to fire off some topics at Elijah, and let's hop into it. First up, we got Amir Garrett, the Cincinnati Reds pitcher. Is suspended seven games after "quote unquote" inciting benches clearing in the game versus Cubs. Uh, low that <laughs> it was soft. Yeah, Medina Spirit wins the 147th annual Kentucky Derby at 12 to one odds this past Saturday. All right, um, I love it. Um, Medina Spirit winning this is probably like one of the 
biggest like underdog stories of all times because when he was a yearling, he was sold to uh, his trainer. I forgot the trainer's name. He's like a legendary one. I think this is his seventh Derby win, um, but he was sold for a thousand dollars. And like these horses, when they're yearlings, are usually sold for millions of dollars. And on top of that, this this horse wasn't supposed to be anything. He was supposed to be a whipping dog for to train other horses, and he turned out to be the Kentucky Kentucky Derby winner. So you're gonna see a movie in about five to ten years about this horse. Uh, hey, Secretary of Part Two. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Next up, the rain. The New York Rangers and Washington Capitals game starts with three immediate fist fights following the puck drop. At one point, each team had five players in the penalty box. Um. I guess I love it. <laughs> I love when hockey players fight. That's the only thing the sport's good for, basically. It, is, it was very entertaining. It. Yeah, all right. Next up, Los Angeles Angels release Albert Pujols after fulfilling his 10-year, $240 million contract. So I love this, um, but he didn't necessarily get released. He just got designated for assignments put in the minor leagues. I guess he's just, he's so old at this point. He's batting 198 at the season. He's going to be in the minor leagues. Um, that's crazy that Paul has got to this point where he's that bad. He He's never been a very good angel, but like if you even subtracted all the stats that he put up as an angel and just took into account his uh, Cardinals years, he'd still be a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, I agree. All right, last but not least, we already talked about it a little bit, but John Means throws a no-hitter for the Orioles, Orioles versus the Mariners. It is the first solo no-no for the Baltimore since 1969. Um, love it. Like we said, um, having a no-no or a perfect game is like the greatest single achievement that uh, that a player could have in all of sports. So good for him. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, we have a we have a question in the comments. Somebody asked why uh, Chicago acted out of desperation. They suggested to grab Justin Fields. And uh, do you I think- don't think they did. I don't think it was out of desperation. So, so here's what I've, I'll read the, go ahead and read the full comment. Um, somebody said they have a question. Why did Chicago act out of desperation? It seems and moved up to grab Justin Fields. Um, they said they also find it a bit strange. how Every team before the bears passed up on a top five quarterback. Do you feel both? Chicago acted out of desperation, or do you think other teams ahead of them maybe knew something about fields that the Bears did not know? I will say that um, I don't think that there's anything that teams knew that the Bears didn't know, but I will say that this was very much a move that the Bears made um, for Ryan Pace to have his job for another year, Ryan Pace and Mac Nagy. This was, this was a desperation move on their part, but I will say that it was a very good desperation move on their part. Yeah, I think the only reason it wasn't necessarily desperation, I don't think, but the reason they traded up into the 11th pick is because, I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, you know, GMs know more than me, of course, but like in my mock draft, I had the Broncos taking Justin Fields at number nine. So in my mind, what I think happened is the Bears saw the Broncos pass on on Fields. They knew the Cowboys weren't going to take a quarterback at 10. And so they saw an opportunity because the Giants were very vocal about trading down. Yeah, I so, think it's more. Yeah. I think it's more of a situation is that um, the Lions aren't ready to draft a quarterback yet. The Panthers are committed to Sam Darnold, and I guess the Broncos are very clearly committed to Drew Locke at this point. I think they're, they're going after Rodgers. I think so. <laughs> you know, maybe that. But so I, I don't think that this is a 
a bad pick or any means, and this isn't a smudge on Justin Fields by him falling to 11th by any means because I think he has the potential to be a very good NFL quarterback, but it is a desperation move that the Bears moved up from 20th to 11th to take this pick and give up a first-round pick from next year's draft in the process. That is, is true. This is, That's true. This is full-on Ryan Pace going, fuck, I have to save my job. <laughs> if you know, Because every Bears fan in Chicago is going – the. You know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are gone after the season, thank God. And Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace both know this going into the draft. So that's why they made that that move and gave up what they did to go ahead and draft Justin Fields. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a good move overall. And it's also just a part of the reason how the board fell to them, too. They played they played how how the draft felt because they made that move on draft night as well. Yeah. So, well, yeah, true. It was like a move in the middle of draft night. Yeah. So it was a good move, but it was also a move out of desperation. Yeah. All right. Well, that is just about it for this week's episode. Uh, next week, we are gonna get we're gonna dive into heavily talk about the NBA because the NBA play-in tournaments start on May 18th. So we're gonna talk about who we think can come out of that. Uh, maybe some playoff predictions and whatnot. But yeah, it's definitely gonna be more of an NBA-themed episode next week. So stay tuned for that. We are going to be back on our normal schedule Wednesday at 8 p.m. live on Twitch and YouTube. If you can't follow along live, don't worry. We'll post it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify the following day. So, yeah, just check us out at gtdsports.com and you won't miss a thing. But yeah, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening.